0: Well, we are in the second part of our message series entitled 2020 Vision. Uh, naturally, it's an outgrowth of pivoting into a new year and thinking ahead as far as what it is that we need to be uh, prepared with for the road ahead. And corresponding with that, we're doing a 21 day uh, of prayer and reading through the psalm, uh, the psalms as, um, as we've kind of uh, been guided through in this booklet. Uh, a lot of you have taken these booklets and are, are going through that right now. Uh, They've all been, uh, basically they've all disappeared. So if you want to catch up or you want to just start your own 21 day, uh, just let us know on the connect card or let me know and we can get you uh, a copy of it. And perhaps if you're like me, maybe you need the giant print. I hate to say it, but it's a thing and uh, I'm just going to own it. Okay, well, um, the reason why I have to own it is primarily because I'm, I'm 56 and ever since I was 20, I, I knew I needed glasses and what made me realize I needed glasses is I was driving to college in St. Louis and I was on the, on the beltway going around and I almost missed my sign because for whatever reason, uh, they didn't do a very good job making the letters clear. And I discovered that uh, upon doing that a few times and missing a few other uh, uh, exits uh, too late, and and St. Louis is kind of like Pittsburgh, if you miss your exit, you've missed a lot. And good luck getting back. So I I went to the eye doctor and he said, yeah, uh, you've got an astigmatism, you can't see and you shouldn't be driving. So all that duly noted, got some glasses and some contacts, and it was a game changer. I went from thinking I could see well to basically seeing with a high level of clarity. Anybody relate to that? Anybody have any stories of running into anything or maybe, uh, you know, back in your car or or driving your car into something. Maybe not that dramatic, uh, but it is dramatic to see the contrast, isn't it, between when you were blind and then you were able to see, which is kind of how I would contrast it for sure. Uh, But it's not nearly as dramatic as my mother, who at age 80 had cataract surgery. And she said, "Um, I didn't realize how bad my eyes were until I did. And what was so, uh, I guess, interesting from my point of view is how excited she got about it. She uh, told me I'm nervous about having cataract surgery, uh, but I'm going to do it. And she went and did it and then she called me on the phone and I honestly have never heard her that excited she was like I can see I can see and I'm like mom I thought you could see anyway and she's like no I can really see I said well how's that going and she said it's awesome but I'm looking up into the up into the ceilings and I see there are a lot of cobwebs there that I didn't realize had been there and I said yeah Those things have been there for years. But um, you know my eyes have gotten worse over the years too. So I don't see it as much either. So she was excited about it. To the point where it was almost like sharing the gospel. And what I like about the contrast. Is it really is very much in line. With what happens for a person. Who begins a relationship with Jesus. There is a change in how you look at things. But there is also An increased capacity to see things that you never saw before. I mean it's one thing to say I need to change my visual cortex. It's another thing to say there's stuff out there in the spiritual and psychological and relational landscape that I never saw before until I met Jesus and my eyes were open. Like the blind man who said, after Jesus touched his eyes and healed him, he said, all I know is I don't really know who that guy is, but once I was blind, but now I see. And I think a lot of us come to Jesus that way, don't we? We don't really know who he is other than he has a great reputation and he's been known to carry a very big heart around with him. And a lot of us have received the benefit of that. And as a result of him taking us out of darkness into light or helping us to go from a place of being blind and now seeing, there's a lot more to that that I think we have to pay attention to if we really want to see like we need to see. You see, there's another kind of visual capacity that I think we struggle with. In uh, our our, our readings uh, on day five, We were encouraged to memorize a passage from the book of Philippians, and uh, it, it says something to the effect of, let not your hearts be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the reason why he said it that way is because there's a little something that he prefaces with that we struggle with. And it gets in the way for a lot of things. And that is being anxious. Or worrying. Or being stressed out about something that is really getting under our skin. Now, if, you, if you're not in any of those categories, you're free to go but (laughs) if 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 you are if you're like me those are an everyday thing and the question is how much do they get in the way how much do they keep me from seeing what I need to see worry and anxiety are are a couple of things that I think happen every time we get into situations where things are unknown we're not really sure how it's going to end because we can't see the future Stress is one of those things where it involves a lot more moving parts sometimes. And it would appear that all things being equal, perhaps conditions are pretty overwhelming if not impossible. And stress will set in. Sometimes it's sort of acute, other times it's chronic where we're having to deal with it all the time. And here's what I discovered in my relationship with anxiety or stress is that it, it gives me tunnel vision. All I can see when I have it is a pretty narrow band of, of stuff. Let me, let me just illustrate, for example. Um, we had a, a picture on the screen uh, last uh, gathering of, uh, of a little baby that uh, uh, Matt and Brooke Mallory had. I don't know if you know those guys, but uh, just a beautiful little girl. And it, it triggered me uh, and it always does whenever I see a baby I think about the very first time that my wife said I think we need to go to the hospital and it had a lot to do with the fact that for nine months she'd been carrying a baby in her womb and it was time to enter the world and as uh, that process got underway as soon as she said that my stress level went from here to here and I kid you not, I couldn't even think straight, let alone put two words together intelligently in a sentence, and if you were to ask me what was going on around me, I couldn't tell you because I was so in my head, I wasn't seeing anything other than, I'm not ready, and I think there was a little voice saying, no, you're not ready, but I thought, at least I'm going to just, the one thing I, I, I can do is it seemed like somewhere along the way we took Lamaze classes and I need to be doing some kind of breathing thing with her and I didn't really get that nailed down and now well if I don't do it it could not end well and so I'm picking up the book and I'm going through it thinking I gotta I gotta just cram real quick and my wife's like just put that away and I realized that um, I'm in way over my head And stress is keeping me from seeing what I need to see. And what she needed was for me to get her in the car and get her to the hospital. But stress being what it is, you don't really have the presence of mind to think about what you need to do in the moment. Maybe that hasn't been your stress. Maybe it's been like, well, I was going down the road and I wasn't paying attention and I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw red lights or blue lights and they were flashing and they were right behind me. And your stress level starts to escalate, doesn't it? If you've ever been there. And if you haven't, I'll just assure you from past experience a good while ago, I'll just say that, uh, you start thinking, oh no, what did I do? And you pull over and you're like, oh, um, um, I got to find my, my wallet. And you find your wallet and look for your license. And then you're like, what else do I need to do? Oh, insurance card. And you just kind of get all flustered, don't you? And as this whole thing unfolds, it just underscores what we all experience when we're stressed. Our mind just goes into that space where we can't see what we need to see. And it happens not just every once in a while, but pretty much all the time to varying degrees. Now, you may be saying, what does this have to do with vision? And the truth of the matter is, I think it has everything to do with it. Part of the reason why you and I pray is because chances are we have something going on in our lives that is so difficult, so challenging, so scary, so unknown, we need to pray. We need to ask God for help. And a lot of us over time have gotten into the habit of, of, of doing that exact thing because of that anxious part. But he says, let your request be no- made known to God because he and your supplications with Thanksgiving. Now, uh, let's be honest. If you're really stressed and you're really anxious, are you spending a lot of time thinking about how you're going to be thankful about something? That's not really on your mind, is it? But there's something about that place that you put yourself in in relation to God that enables you to actually have the presence of mind to say, oh, I have a peace now. I have this thing going on inside of me and kind of around me. It's not from me. It's helping me to relax despite everything that's happening. And that's God. And on day eleven, you're gonna be reading Psalm ninety-one. And it talks a lot about the things that God is actually doing when we are in that space where we're threatened. Where we feel like we're very vulnerable. We feel like there are forces working against us. We feel like it's us against the world sometimes. Perhaps we are in that space where we're like... I've been going through such a challenge here, I'm starting to wonder if God is even listening, let alone nearby. You ever been there? In that valley? Where you're wondering, God, where are you? I can't see you. And the thing that I, I, I find in the psalm we're getting ready to look into, is God is giving us some things to lean into that help us to see him when we are so caught up in our own minds that we can't see much of anything except our doubt or our fear. And if you can imagine a very stressful set of circumstances that you find yourself in and the last thing you want to do is go through that in a way that causes harm to yourself or damage in some way, then I don't think you have to look any further than the life of Jesus. When... We know he was getting ready to go on the cross. That was perhaps one of the most stressful moments, if not the most stressful moment of his whole existence as the son of God, as God, as God, God in the form of a man. But did you know that leading up to that experience, right out of the gate, he placed himself in a stressful circumstance that I think we need to pay attention to. So much so, I'm going to put it up on the screen, and it really describes after getting baptized and the father saying to the son, This is my son, in a way that just affirms that there is a father watching out for, for me. Then he goes off to the desert for 40 days, and he's not eating. It appears that he's not drinking, and it's just him versus the desert according to three of the four Gospels. And so in Matthew 4, we see this scene. So let's go ahead and play that, that clip. From the mouth of God. If God loves you, throw yourself down. His angels will lift you up in their hands. How dare you put God to the test? You will bow down and worship me. I will give you the whole world. Satan's temptations. Okay, so that was a pretty dramatic telling of what Jesus experienced. That I think we can uh, draw some takeaways from. If uh, you look at the exchange between the evil one and Jesus, uh, let's just kind of describe what's happening there. First of all, the conditions are Jesus is pretty pretty depleted. He's pretty vulnerable. He is in a space where if a test comes in that moment, he's in his weakest moment. And the question is, how is it under those conditions where he is so weak and so vulnerable and so stressed by his own deprivation that he's able to withstand the test? That he's able to see clearly? Because as you're watching that, you know that he's not seeing very clearly Because of the nature of the tests. The tests are saying you can have this, you're hungry. The tests are saying God will take care of you if you throw yourself over. The tester and the tempter is saying, if you bow down and worship me, this is all yours. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm stressed or I'm in a weak space or I'm in a vulnerable place, I'm I I, I'm prone to well, I'm I'm prone to not see things the way they need to be seen. I'm prone to not use good judgment. I'm prone to not always do the right thing. So the one thing that I know about where we've come so far is that stress impairs our vision. And spiritual stress or relational stress or psychological stress does exactly that. And when Jesus is in this encounter with the evil one it's sort of a back and forth of scripture because the evil one is quoting scripture and the only way that Jesus can see the situation with the clarity that he needs to survive it is not by digging deep inside of himself but rather recalling what the father said and allowing the substance of that help him to see really what is going on because there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of misunderstanding there's a lot of stuff out there that blurs our vision and blurs our ability to see what this is all about within this room and oftentimes we bring a whole range of feelings into this experience that are the result of what's going on out there that also get in the way of seeing what is right in front of us. Now, one of the quotes that was mentioned in that exchange, and that's why we have to pay attention to it for a second, was when he said, you know, um, uh, if, you know, God uh, is... uh, is, 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 if, you, if you are who you say you are, then throw yourself over the edge because God's not going to allow his son to fall down into the, into the canyon and die without the angels coming swooping you up. And he quoted a psalm that in his day and back long ago, a lot of people knew very well. It's actually one of my favorite psalms because it says a lot about what it means to be a father, and it's Psalm ninety-one. Psalm ninety-one. The quote is from Matthew four six. Let's put that up for, there for just a second from that scene. Uh, is it says, "If you are the son of God." throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands um, so, that no, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about because Psalm 91 was one that people really leaned into whenever they were in that space where they felt threatened, where the forces were aligning against them, both the unseen realm and the seen realm. If you know what I mean, And in that psalm, uh, it catalogs a lot of things about what goes on in your life and mine. And it's something I think we need to pay careful attention to if we want to see. And just highlighting a few things that are going on there as takeaways uh, to help us to have clarity in 2020. So I'm going to read the psalm. It's, It's 16 verses long. So just bear with me. It says this. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday because he who holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name and when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is in my refuge, you, no evil shall be allowed to fall you, no plague come near your tent. For, and then this is the verse that we are familiar with. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And this verse, um, actually I got it a little bit out of place, but that's the one that it ends with. And I read that a minute ago. If you look at this psalm, let me just break it down for you. The person who wrote the psalm had an understanding about God and his ability to provide an environment of security when the larger circumstances are warring against us. You remember that second praise song we sung right before the last one about God fighting for us? That is essentially what this is about because if you're like me, you've had your moments where you've said, God, where are you? You don't seem to be around or you don't appear to be very close, which is just another way of saying, I'm not really feeling your presence right now. And if you've cried out to the Lord in that way, it just means that you want to have an assurance that he's watching over you and you're not so sure that he is. So how do we know? Because feelings are kind of funny. They're helpful, but not always pointers in the right direction. And if you're in that space where you are in doubt and you're not sure and you can't see what's coming or you don't know what this means or you are fearful that it could play out in the worst way possible, then this psalm is for you because that is exactly the space that so many people found themselves in that they needed to hear something like this. And so he basically talks about the stuff that goes on around us, like disease and plague and pestilence. He talks about our own inner conflicts and our own inner turmoil. He talks about our own weaknesses. He talks about how it is that some some Bible scholars would say how angels and demons are in play in this whole thing. So if you can imagine the stuff that's inside of us that, is not very healthy or toxic and perhaps is getting in the way. That stuff that's happening to us that is a source of stress and frustration and anxiety. The stuff that we don't even know how to begin to talk about it when it comes to angels and demons and things unseen. We just kind of know that there are things that we have to face in a given day, and sometimes uh, it varies from day to day, worse to better. We just know when that stuff crops up, it gets in the way of our ability to see what we need to see. It's a distraction at, at best, and at worst, it is a preoccupation that keeps us from seeing the things of God. I honestly believe that when the psalmist wrote this passage of scripture, he had a vision in mind of who he understood God to be. And the best way that I can portray it is if if you can imagine a father who is a good father and how much that father, and even a mother, because I think it, it applies either way, how much they care for their child, how much you are cared for by that person. If you have children, how much you care for your own children and you want to see their well-being taken care of. And how much when your children are stressed or anxious or worried and preoccupied that they're not really even saying, that they're not really seeing what they need to see and maybe they're having accidents and they're running into stuff and they're, they're just not really in that good space. And when you see that, the, the thing that you want to do is to help them find their footing again and to be relaxed. And to be able to recognize with clarity what it is that's out in front of them. Now the other day we had a beautiful day only it was cloudy but it was so clear. We were driving down the road and my son said we're in Greenford and I'm looking all the way to South Avenue uh, in 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 the south part of Youngstown and I can see very clearly that big communication tower that you normally can't see. He said, "Why? Why is that?" And I said, "I'm not an expert on that. I couldn't even begin to weigh in it. Other than there's just a lot of stuff that's usually in the air that keeps you from seeing it. It's just not there. It's gone. You can call that um, you can call that moisture in the air. You can call that static. You can call that chaos. But when that stuff is in play, not just visually in our." our our range of vision physically, but when it's in play in our souls and we're looking and we're seeing that we can't really see things because all of this background noise is happening, God says, I know when you're in that place and I want to give you something that when you're in that space where you just have tunnel vision and you can't see, I want to give you something that will help you. Now for a kid, I truly believe the best thing you can do for your kid to keep them from being distracted and, and preoccupied is to reduce the level of drama that's going on in their world if you can. Sometimes you can't and, 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 and that's where you ask the Lord for help. But other times they're hearing a lot of static in their world and they get in their head. And so, as a parent, what you try to do is protect them. And kids are developmental, they're not always ready to process everything that we have to process. So, we don't always tell them everything that's going on about everything because it creates a lot of confusion and noise. And the same goes for our spiritual lives there are things that we see going on and we're saying God where are you or why is this happening or why am I going through this and what the psalmist wants to tell us is the stress and the noise of all of that will obscure your vision you'll be like Brian when he prayed the prayer from 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter but it ends by saying for now we know in part and we see in part but when we are with him we will we will be seen as he has seen us we see as through a glass dimly but that time will come when we will see with clarity and you know what makes the difference between seeing through a glass dimly and seeing with clarity is your proximity to God how close you are to God and this psalmist says, God is close. You're not seeing him because you got noise inside. you got noise going on around you. And there's, we're not even going to talk about the evil one and all the noise he creates. But what God wants to tell us is there is a space we can inhabit that will tune that noise out. Because there's another part of Philippians closely associated with that one we memorized that says and the peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds and essentially he's saying that despite what is happening out there and if you can just tune into him in here There is a peace that is not from you, but it is from the relationship or the association that you have with bringing Jesus close that causes you to have a calm and a peace that helps you to see what's in front of you that you can never have if it wasn't for him creating it. But the question is, how do we get there? And I would just say, as we read that, maybe we need to trust a few things a little more than we've been trusting. Jesus was in this moment where he's saying, I'm kind of going in this direction, but wait a minute. The scripture says this. And when he quoted that scripture, what happened? He had the presence of mind, didn't he? I truly believe that if you don't have the scripture in your heart and in your mind... You probably will not have the presence of mind that you could possibly have. I'm just going to leave it there. Your perspective, your vision, your view of things, it's going to be like the bottom three lines on the eye chart. So, what's the pattern in the psalm that we need to see? Well, let's just put the, the, the black slides up there that I have. These are some quotes from uh, uh, Walter Brueggemann. And he said, this is a pattern. Who's doing all the work here? God. God will deliver you. God will cover you. You will not fear. You will only look and see the punishment of the, the, the evil agencies, agents there. God will command his angels to guard you. You will trample lion and snake underfoot. And then it says, I will deliver, I will protect, I will answer, and that's God saying that. I will be with them, I will rescue, I will honor, I will satisfy, I will show them my salvation. And as that psalmist is saying, this is what God is doing, whether you're feeling it or not. He is there. And he loves you as his child. And he's watching over you like a father watches over a child so that you can be in that space so that you can see clearly what you need to do while you're here on earth. It's what the Word of God does. It gives us a lens to see the spiritual realities as they relate to our own hearts, our relationships with each other, things going on that we have to deal with, it gives you the lens to see it with the clarity that you need so that you can interact with it in the best way possible. As he's saying that, the question may be in the back of your mind, well, if the devil said that psalm by saying, God's not going to let you get hurt. That's not entirely what's going on here. The psalm, I don't know if you remember, near the end of it said, I will be with you in your trouble. You're going to have trouble. That's a given. What God wants to address for you and me is when it happens, what space are we in so that we can take it on? Is it that spiritual space that has God hovering over you and being a part of that experience with you together? Or is it a space where it's you versus the world? And we all know how that ends sometimes. And we, the more stress we get, it's just a given. Cognitive science says your brain just begins to get smaller and smaller in its ability to take in what is out there. But if God is fighting this battle for us, sure, you're going to have difficult seasons. And you're going to go through tests. Here's what you have to do. And this is the response. Next slide. It's this. It's only three things. There's only three things that we were asked for. So let's go ahead and and, and move on over. It says... um, Those who are on the receiving end of these divine acts are characterized as three things. Those who love me, those who know my name, and those who call out to me. Those are the only requirements. But if you're like me, you like to start first by saying, I'm going to solve this problem on my own. I'm not asking any help from anybody. Or if you're like me, sometimes I don't keep God as close as I need to. And if you're like me, sometimes I just don't call out at all. But what 56 years has taught me is I have to prioritize loving the Lord, and I have to prioritize knowing the Lord. And I have to prioritize calling out to the Lord. Because at 56, I can assure you, I can't see that well. I mean, I have a contact for close-up viewing. I have a contact for faraway viewing. And then I have some cheaters in my office. And I got them in my car. And I have them at home. And I have them in the bathroom. You know, you you get the whole thing. Because, well, my eyes just don't see that well. But I can, I think I can say with some level of confidence, my heart's a little bit more tuned in. Because I've learned to love the Lord. And I've learned to know the Lord through his scripture. And I've learned at every turn in all things to call out to the Lord. Because I trust that everything that was in that list is going on when I do and I hope that you guys can walk out of here trusting that because if you do I'm not an eye doctor but perhaps a little bit of a spiritual eye doctor I have to believe that what's going on in your world if you process it through the lens of God's word will start to make a lot more sense I really do and I think that God is a loving father, that he loves you so much, he wants to make that happen. Um, one, one, one Bible scholar that, that I, I read uh, uh, occasionally, is, uh, his name is N.T. Wright, and on his father's 91st birthday, he knew that his father just absorbed this psalm. And, in time, and over the years, I think he realized kind of what a lot of us realize is that the more we are trusting God with everything, the more peace we have. The more peace we have, the more we can do the things that we are called to do. And as a father, the last thing my kids need for me to do is go around being in my head all the time. You know what I'm saying? And as a pastor, same thing. So I've learned to kind of let go of a lot of things even to the point in saying Lord even if you take my life I'm okay with it. And I can look you in the eye and say that because he's taken me into that dark valley. What it's done and this is the only takeaway from that statement is it's just given me a level of trust that gives us peace that helps us to see. What we need to see because if you're a father or a mother or a mentor or somebody that is being looked up to by other people, you need to see what's going on around you for their sake, and you need to be real and you need to be responsible because a lot's at stake. And when God was looking at us, He said, I want to be real and I want to be responsible. And sending Jesus to be with us is about as real as it gets. And defeating the powers and principalities that oppose his purposes, that's about as real as it gets. And taking on our sins on that blood stained cross and giving us in, in exchange forgiveness, that's about as Gut level as it gets. And it's all because of God. And what's keeping this from happening, maybe, is the fact that we are keeping him away. And he wants to come close because he loves you as a father loves his child. I went through that phase where I was like you know I love my parents but I got my own thing going on and you learn and God is seeing that in us and then he's saying I'll be glad when you wake up and you see perhaps for the first time that you need me every day and when you do it's going to change your game and change your world and change your vision. Would you bow with me? Father, we are so grateful that you have provided for us a lens that we can see everything around us with greater clarity. And it involves, first, a close proximity and relationship to you. And we thank you that you are a personal God who loves us. And like anyone that loves their kids, you also sort us out in gracious ways, in merciful ways. And Father, thank you that you have given us a bloodstained cross that makes that relationship a possibility for everyone. I pray, Father, that you would just give us clear vision for 2020 and that we would start by bringing you close and then bringing your word into our being so that we know what to say when we need to say it. Bless our people as we seek to integrate those things into our lives and as we seek to come close to you, Father, with a heart that loves, a heart that knows, and a heart that is calling out. In Jesus' name, amen.